Um, hello and welcome to The Eagle in Review, the podcast where we talk about the content we already made and wrote because we like talking about things we like talking about. I'm Paige Martinez. I'm the editor-in-chief. And today we have Sione and Alex with me. If you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Sione Siaki and I'm the lifestyles editor for The Eagle. My name is Alexandria Anderson and I am no longer an editor editor for The Eagle, but I used to be the uh, opinions editor. Um, today we are going over issue number eight. That was the one that came out on January 16th, 2020. The first Eagle of the new year, of the new decade. Super exciting. It's pretty cool. Awesome. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. Uh, the first one is about the Welcome Back Week events that um, took place. Uh, I wrote this one and it covers five events that student government and other leaderships put on to welcome students back to the college for the new semester, the spring semester. It covers the New Year's party that they had on Monday where they served sodas and played games and had a fun photo booth covers the nexus kickoff which was an event that they did to highlight the nexus which is a super fun student lounge if you guys don't know about it it's upstairs in the student center it's got foosball it's got pool you can go play games you've got tables to study at really a lot of great amenities for students um the diversity celebration at the wave pool well they highlighted the big eight identities which I can't remember off the top of my head. So we could do this. It's uh, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender, ability, nationality, age, socioeconomic status. One more. Religion. Religion. <laughs> I like calling religion um, belief system more because I think that that's more inclusive because not everyone is part of a religion, that's but true. like everyone has a way that they believe that the world works. Whether it's science whether it's a divine creator or whether it's, I don't know, connected to nature. Mm. So I like to call it belief system. Um, so they held that at the Wave Pool. I heard that one had a really good turnout and people were super interested in the information. Uh, then the Welcome Back Dance, which is just a dance they held. They actually did a really cool, fun photo booth thing where they had um, someone take professional quality photos of students whenever they wanted. So if you guys want to see that, I think you can go to levanhall.smugmug.com. I think that's right. He's got all the pictures posted there. There's some on our newspaper as well. You can see it on our back page. And then the last event they had was they invited the mentalist Sean Bott to come down. He does a comedy slash mind thing. I don't know. You have to see it to understand. It's kind of like hypnotism, but not hypnotism. It's like mind reading. Um, so yeah, that was our first story. Some other noticeable highlights. Uh, Coach Bennett of the soccer team resigned. Um, he's been coaching here for three years. Eh, give or take a little. Um, and he resigned over the break. Uh, I think he got another job somewhere else. Can't quite remember the story. 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 So go ahead and review that. Um, something super awesome and noticeable. Our nursing program had 100% pass rate that's fantastic as we all know our nursing program is fantastic here and really difficult um the story in particular gives a shout out to shelly heath bennett was working here for five years oh bennett was five years um shelly heath huge shout out to her a lot of the success of the program is due to her hard work so make sure you read that and if you see shelly walking around give her a huge congratulations 
Um, also at the bottom, uh, as a kind of tradition on the Eagle, we reflect at the end of the year on all the stories we wrote throughout the year. Um, this one is reviewing all of our top stories of 2019. It has a top opinion piece, which I believe we did. Sione wrote one of the top opinion pieces, which is the point counterpoint focused on 13 reasons why. Oh, I loved that, my guy. That was such a good such one. Such a good one. Oh, um, we have a lifestyles piece, which Sione picked out as our lifestyles editor. You're just all over this paper. <laughs> Um, and then we had a sports piece picked by our sports editor, Darren. And lastly, we picked, we couldn't decide because so many exciting things happened in 2019. So we did our top five news stories, which was focusing on our welding program, our CTE getting more funding, the new aviation program that just started. Um, and then moving on to our last news story, we have a interesting piece about how your guide to graduation is what it's called telling you about the steps if you are going to graduate if you are planning on walking these are things you need to be aware of these are the steps to take for those of you who are interested in reading our old stories all of them are archived on our website or if you walk by the newsroom we have all of our issues for the year on display so you can pick one up there all right, moving on to viewpoints. Uh, to start us off with our classic uh, point-counterpoint uh, where we take two sides of an issue and discuss it, today we have a very critical issue to discuss. <laughs> Was The Rise of Skywalker a good ending to the newest Star Wars trilogy? Mm -hmm. um, before, As always, before I wrote my counterpoint, I was on the fence about which side I felt, but I just took the opposing view because that's what this is all about. So Cody wrote about how it was a great movie, it was a satisfying ending, and he thought it tied up the loose ends very well. And I took the stance of how I think it's a rushed movie, I don't think it thematically ties everything together, and I think it suffers from a lot of issues that have been permeating throughout the trilogy. So if you're into Star Wars, I highly recommend that. Cody's super knowledgeable about Star Wars, and I'm just making it up as I go along. So <laughs> keep that in mind when you read ours. Um, the next from Emily Griffith. She is a new writer we have, and she's writing about New Year's resolutions, kind of the importance of them and things like that. Um, we have our ongoing column, Lori's Love Letters for the Lovelorn. That is a tongue twister. Uh, if anyone hasn't read this series of articles, this column, I highly re recommend going back and taking the time to read it. Uh, it is people submit questions about love advice they need and she answers them they're usually pretty entertaining get a snapshot into someone's love life so, i don't know i really like it um and then we have started a new column this series or this semester called ask a cop so this is the first ask a cop in this issue um this one is focusing specifically on what do you do if you get a parking ticket on campus and some of the rules surrounding that I think it's interesting that this is the first issue, and one of the questions that they decide to choose is a parking ticket. Because, like, here's the thing: I when uh, I got asked to submit a question, and I didn't know how in depth they wanted these questions to be. Because mm -hmm. I wanted to ask a question about microaggression as a brown person <laughs> living in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, but one, I didn't know if uh, the cop knew what microaggressions were. So, uh, and two, I didn't know if we were keeping this lighthearted or we were going to ask questions that people were actually thinking about. Because, like, we're in a higher education, like, 
like we're in higher education, we should be asking these tough questions and we should be getting some tough answers. A parking ticket, my dude, you could have Googled that. You could have, you, like, I don't, you could have stopped into somebody's, like, into the office and asked what to do with the parking ticket. And also, how often are people getting parking tickets on campus? Probably not that often. But I would love to hear about how our campus police are exploring microaggressions and so on and so forth. Well, if any of our listeners are interested, our next one will be about how over the speed limit you can go. Oh, for real? Yeah. See, that makes it so, like, what? You can't go over the speed limit. That's the answer to that question. Now, what's the answer to the question of, well, like, why isn't, like, it's, like, I just don't understand. Why are we talking about, like, ATOD classes, alcohol, tobacco, and other drug classes, which many students students on our campus when get caught at a party or caught drunk on campus have to take and know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Like the repercussions of, of law enforcement with things that actually happen on this campus. Because even if you're like speeding through the AJ parking lot, no, there's no police officers in the AJ parking lot. So knowing how fast you can go over the speed limit is probably not going to stop you from going 10 over the speed limit. That's just my thoughts. <laughs> That's just my thoughts. I just think the question should be realer. Sounds like fluff. And this is a new column, so maybe, and I don't know where they're getting their questions from. Obviously, they asked you to submit one. Mm-hmm. But I think it's probably going through the easier questions that everyone has. Because I thought it was kind of interesting. I never, I've never gotten a parking ticket on campus. Because it doesn't happen. <laughs> But the speeding one, everyone has that question because, you know, there's the myth that they won't pull you over if you're going nine over, but if you're going 10 over. So I think they're probably getting the fluff questions out of the way. But you, if you want to see that, submit those harder questions. And then hold them accountable (laughs) if they don't answer those harder questions. Because they're asking questions now. So when they stop answering questions, then you know. Yeah. Um, And then Sione, we're going to spend a little more time on his article that he wrote last issue. Do you want to just give us a brief overview on what that is? All right. So um, I just wrote because the Oscar nominations came out and I just thought it was interesting um, to see some of the nominations, Um, specifically the fact that... um, for all the films that came out last year, especially the ones that garnered a lot of attention um, and that were very well received, um, all of the best director nominations went to men. There was not a single female director on the list, as well as wild, which is insane. I can think of like five movies on top of my head last year that a woman directed that were that was incredible, Um, and every acting category um was all specifically um were all white people uh, except for um the best actress category in which Cynthia Erivo Ir- Cynthia Erivo was nominated for best actress for her role of Harriet Tubman um so basically <laughs> so basically a slave you know yeah, here's, um, your, basic, here's your well, token Black person nomination. Yeah. A slave. Well, yeah. it's always, and, and that's the conversation that I wanted to have. It's, it's, it's always a slave role, which a person, of, especially a black person, will win um, an award for. And especially when I think of the great performances last year, um, I know for a fact that um, Lupita Nyong'o should have been nominated for her role in Us. Mm-hmm. She played two 
opposing characters in the same exact film, both with different dialects, both with different experiences, everything. And she managed to do that in the same amount of time that it took other people to make one film, Mm -hmm. the the one film that they were nominated for. Um, Also, too, um, Scarlett Johansson was nominated for two acting awards, um, which is very interesting, especially considering her comments made last year about that anybody should be able to act anything, even if they want to play a tree or whatever race they want to play. She compared like a trans. Yeah. Yeah. She said any, any person should be able to play anything um especially saying that white people should be allowed to play roles that are made for people of color um, which those were comments specifically made after her ghost in the shell yes right yeah. yeah and also just well i think those are the kind of comments that she made which also will live forever on the internet because now everybody yeah. says that she every time a role should go to a person of color they say well let's cast scarlett johansson as a joke but um college humor has this series of um blank's manager and Mm. one of them is scarlett johansson's manager and just him freaking out trying to convince (laughs) her not to take inappropriate roles is that a new one i haven't seen that you haven't seen that series series. (laughs) like that's what the tide seats no so it's not the ceo one it's the manager one like there was chris brown's manager i have never seen that series please go look it up Oh, I'm I'm not doing my homework. Yeah, it's a fantastic series. So funny. Watching the guy slowly devolve into madness over these people. Hilarious. If I may expand on this. Yes. In 2019, we saw a lot of like nostalgia. People wanted to like make the top 10 movies of the decade Mm -hmm. and top 10 songs of the decade, so on and so forth. And I personally go to the New York Times for most of anything. My news, my style, all of it, my entertainment. Um, And I'm for the most part, take their stuff as word. Okay. Um, and I made a mistake <laughs> and opened an article that was like the top 10 and then the top 50 most influential movies of the decade. Mm-hmm. And what tipped me off, okay, was the fact that um, uh, Crazy Rich Asians wasn't even on the top 50 hmm. most no. influential movies of the decade. Wow. Like, are you an all Asian cast? Yeah. Like we've we haven't seen that all all outside of roles that they're usually mm-hmm. like typecast in. They were the wealthy. Yeah, the main character revolves around a woman who's an economics professor. There was just enough culture yeah. to stay accurate without sounding fake. Yeah, uh, there was enough humor that didn't like discriminate or that didn't like bounce back off the culture that didn't like display the culture in a, a, a rude way, mm-hmm. um, but was still funny. Something yeah. that Pitch Perfect hasn't mastered, but because <laughs> that's our things, standard. That's the standard. I'm just thinking about Pitch Perfect three. Uh, but <laughs> either way, um, and it didn't even make a top fifty list for the New York Times. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that's how I was like entertainment business, and even the people reviewing who are on the outside looking yeah. in still don't have a clear eye yeah. for what is actually impactful. Yeah. Well, and. It, we're not going to sit here and pretend like Oscars actually are a representation of what's yeah, good. Yeah. We know you can pay your way to an Oscar nomination, mm-hmm. and we know it's a boys' club. Yeah, but like they're the electoral college. They're yeah. still pretending that they have any say, yeah. and so if they want to be taken seriously, they mm-hmm. have to take into account more than just mm-hmm. white. That's it. Which and, is yeah. Well, th- then that's then that's the point that they're making is, um, is stories like this. You know, um, I know for a fact all of the other um big big award shows last year um 
still had some nominations, like especially I can think of Greta Gerwig, who was nominated for Best Director, mm-hmm. or well, she wasn't for the two biggest ones of the season, but, yeah. but for Little Women, which garnered a lot of attention, um, Lorraine Scafaria for um, Hustlers, which was a very big film, which was expected not to do well, but a, a, a movie about women, specifically two women of color at the main helm of the story these are just i guess stories that the academy doesn't think are important and that's why we need to to tell these tell these stories and what's wild to me is like there will be random movies and actors that you've never heard of on the oscars Mm -hmm. list but never once focused on people of color unless it is an actual worldwide cultural outrage Mm -hmm. they're not going to put like if they didn't put black panther on there people would have been outraged no you know expanding on that exact idea Mm -hmm. i love zendaya i Mm -hmm. live for euphoria honestly that's the only thing i live for right now but like (laughs) whenever the the brown role comes up the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth is let's cast zendaya yeah like she's the only brown person she's the only brown person right now she's like the one that's being talked about Mm -hmm. the most Mm -hmm. and so like it's it's a win. Like it's like I want you to talk about brown people, and I want you to put them in your movies, and I want them to be awarded. But I don't want the same brown people in the same yeah. way that you've done white people in the past. Why are we still talking about Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I and I think going off of that is we, ex- like as a society, and especially in the entertainment industry, expect people of color to only be one thing. And so when stories come out like that. You know, it's it's kind of a business, and so white people will will try and make movies, and then when when there's supposed to be a per- person of color in the role, they want to go for the more marketable or palatable version of the person. So of course they're going to go for lighter skin, especially someone who's biracial to play a full black character, such as Zendaya, which it's not entirely her fault because she's taking the roles that they're given to her and I also I think I read an article that she said she only specifically takes roles which white women audition for which is very Listen, well, <laughs> I, I hate the idea of why do they have to be black like yeah. if the role doesn't call for them to be a person of yeah. color it's okay if they're a person of color yeah. like there's the little mermaid outrage mm-hmm. with casting a black girl like it's not a black role yeah, yeah but it's not necessarily a white role yeah. either it's, it's just because, a role yeah and i mean we're talking about 1980s disney i mean it was the default <laughs> yeah. yeah it was the default to have a white character and they said oh let's put her in red hair well the first um colored princess tiana mm-hmm. if she was distinctly had to be black which it's great to tell yeah. people of color stories that have to be people of color yeah. but you can also tell just normal stories with yeah. well the thing is, is it's quite crazy with black and specific it's quite crazy with black is specific because it's like we're American too. Like we're mm-hmm. American. Like mm-hmm. you took us from our culture. We're American now. <laughs> yeah. Like that is our culture. That is our thing. And so when we're talking, when we're just telling an American story, like our face looks like the American face. Mm-hmm. And when I think back on it, that article also didn't have Moonlight as a top, mm-hmm. like yeah. in the top fifty most influential. That was a movie made mostly of less of known black artists. Uh, black actors and it didn't make the top 50 